0: Hi everyone and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk and I'm your host Leela Winston. I pray that you are well and God is blessing in your life. Today we are going to go into the Word of God as we always do so that we can practically apply it in our everyday lives and also so that we can accomplish the purpose of our lives and thank you so much for joining me today. I want you to grab your Bible. We're going to have a great uh, Bible study about Um, how that, you know, you know what, as a matter of fact, grab your Bible. We're going to read in Isaiah chapter 38 verse 18 to 22. This is going to be a very important Bible study that will really help you to give you, know, you some ideas about what God is trying to do in your life, how God you know, has positioned you as a believer, and um, ways that you can connect better with the Lord. So let's go ahead and read Isaiah chapter 38, verse 18 to 22. It says, For the grave cannot praise thee, death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. The living, the living, he shall praise you as I do this day. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, we will sing my song to the stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. For Isaiah had said, let them take a lump of figs and lay it for a plaster upon the boil and he shall recover hezekiah also had said what is the sign that i shall go up to the house of the lord so I think this is a great scripture. It just to give you a little context behind it. Basically, um, you know, Hezekiah hadn't been doing some things right, and so um, the Lord was kind of like, "You're going to be taken out. You know, we don't need your services anymore." And so Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, and he's like, "Lord, forgive me," and all of this. And so the Lord extended his days. So this is kind of his song. This is Hezekiah's song, and I think this is a beautiful song. And when people are so grateful and thankful to the Lord, like Hannah's song, and there's so many others, David's song, when Jonah's song, when they were delivered from a difficult situation. And so we have to remember that glory, um, the, the kind of glory of repentance and deliverance. There is a glory in repentance and deliverance. Yes, things can change. Things can turn around. Things can be, be- better. And what we learn from uh, this particular anchor text is that God delivers. God delivers and he will deliver. And we also learned that Hezekiah worshiped God in his deliverance. When you're delivered of anything, if you can think back in your life, you need to thank God about that. You need to worship God about that. You need to be thankful for him for all of your days. You know, if you can think back to a time when God helped you out of a difficult situation, I want to ask you, are you still thanking him about that today? If you're not, you should be. You should be thanking him every day for it. You see, the living and the delivered may only praise God. God and not the dead, and he said he would make known God's deeds to his sons. This is the will of God always, even from before the law. I want you to understand this. God wants you as a believer. He wants you to be thankful for all that he does for you. But he also wants you to tell others. That's part of why it's called the good news and the gospel. There's always been this element of passing along these ideas, these laws, these commandments, these, these good things that you need to do. That's always been an aspect of what God has been doing in the earth since the beginning. I think you should remember Abraham made memorials unto God for the things that he did. Can you remember the gifts he gave to Melchizedek, the priest? Can you remember the Passover was a memorial to God for turning things around for the Hebrews when they were in Egypt? So there's this idea of having a memorial... Um, This this celebration toward God, and I hate to use the word memorial, let me just be honest, because we sort of equate it with like remembering someone who died, you know, like I'm going to the memorial service or something, (laughs) or, you know, some other type of event, but literally what he's saying is to keep the memory alive. Keep remembering and thanking God for what he has done for you. Not just what he's doing today, what he's going to do tomorrow, but you need to keep thanking God for what he did yesterday. You remember how much you needed it, how much you wanted it? That is what is being said here. Let's look at Exodus chapter 12, verse 24 and 23. It says, And you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to your sons forever. And it shall come to pass when you become to the land which the Lord will give you, according as he has promised, that you will keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean you by this service? that you shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses and the people bowed the head and worshipped. I want you to notice the intergenerational nature of God's exhortation of remembrance. He wants us to share that with our children, share that with others, share that with each other. We are often sometimes so consumed with winning the world for God that we forget his oldest and most salient edict about the gospel, which is to pass it down to your sons and daughters. So if you have a son or you have a daughter, that's your first and most important work. And let me tell you, I'm going to admit I don't like to admit these things, but I'm going to admit it. I'm a PK. And so I know firsthand that there are many pastors who invest more in their parishioners than their children. The stories I've heard have been crazy, but I'm not going to get into that today. What I will say is is that a lot of times pastors are investing more into their parishioners than their own children. And so it's really easy to see sometimes, often the youth grow up into doing some of the worst sort of things. And so we think sometimes as modern day Christians that this is okay, but it's not. Clearly God wanted intergenerational faith because he knew this was the most reliable way to pass along the gospel. So we have to be honest about sometimes the things that are going on Maybe the pastor needs to spend more time with his or her children. That's really important because we want to remember. And to keep that memory alive, you have to pass it along. It's like any history. You have to keep it alive. Remember, God had rules about the conduct of family for people who took up the position as an elder, a bishop, or even a deacon. You can read that in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. And I'm just going to read it briefly here for you. It says, let the deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. So there is an edict here that you need to be competent with those things in order to be able to administer um, to the body of christ and so when the levitical law was being instituted after the hebrews left egypt the lord said write the word which is god which is god remember we learned that in john chapter 1 verse 1 he wants you to write the word on your doorposts and date so that you can remember them and do them In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 9, you can actually find that if you think I'm making this up. No, he literally told them to write the word (laughs) on your doorpost and on your gate. He wanted his word to be top of the mind. It is why now he promises to write it on the tablet of our heart so that our heart may fertilize the soil of our mind and we live out that word in our daily lives. You see, the feasts were also memorials to God psalms is a memorial to god hannah's song was a memorial to god in first samuel chapter 2 verses 1 to 10 there's actually a bible study here called hannah's song jonah sang a memorial to god in jonah chapter 2 after he'd been delivered from the whale well. you see god wants to be celebrated and he wants to be among us seeing us live healthy and happy and abundant lives according to his will and law. When we do evil to ourselves and others, it grieves God. This is the opposite of an abundant life. He is the God with us, who loves us, and wants our praise and worship. God actually wants us. So repentance is always possible as long as you have life. He is considering everything, and he is always open to hear. His mercy never ends. I want you to note in Hezekiah, when we read in uh, Isaiah uh, about Hezekiah, I want you to notice in verse 21 that Hezekiah asks the Lord for direction. And that's where we actually stopped reading, where he says to the Lord, you know, kind of, what do you want me to do? And the reason this is so significant in this specific section of of, uh, verses is because he had been going in his own way, and now he was asking God. And so we must go in the way that God wants. And repentance is to turn from one way to another. More specifically, from our way to God's way, from sin to God's way. So when God delivers you, when he does anything good for you, when he turns it around, you want to know, how do I do it your way? We know God wants us to turn to his way and he will abundantly pardon. It says that in Isaiah chapter 55 and 7, not that he will pardon you, but he will abundantly pardon you and have mercy. But we must make the commandment to change, uh, the commitment to change when we know that we've gone wrong. God's long suffering does end, unfortunately, even if his mercy does not. Who knows if this is your last chance to repent and make things right with God and those who you've hurt? God is always ready to save you. He's always ready to spend his life with you just as he did when he walked and talked in the cool of the garden with Adam and Eve. God wants you. Yes, God wants you. God wants us to make known that truth to everyone, even the generation coming after us. He wants us to spend time with him like Adam did in the cool of the garden. He wants us to be glad to be with him. You know, sin came and then mankind began to hide from God or try to forget God. But God is to be celebrated and rejoiced over. He's your most faithful friend and your best cheerleader. He always sees the good in you and gives you your next breath. Learn to celebrate God and think on him and it will rejoice your heart. Look what it says in Psalms chapter 33 verse 21. It says, for our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted In his holy name. You see, in fact, Hezekiah, when he made his plea to God, he used praise as a reason why God should keep him alive. He says, I do know what you have created me for, and I will give you the glory you deserve. No one deserves more glory than God, and he knows that, and so too must we. I want you to celebrate the God who loves you, who wants you, and seeks to be among you. So thank you so much for tuning in. I pray that you will take the time to study this word and really let it go into your heart, and your mind, and your soul, to know that God wants to be remembered by us. He wants us to celebrate him, and we can do that. He wants us to glorify him and he also wants us to be obedient and do his will. And when we do, that is when we see the beauty of what God can do in our life. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it will be a breeze. But what I will say is that if you do it, you will see your reward and God will bless you. May God bless you. Bye.